tonight the service is just a little bit different. We sang a little, and we're going to talk about missions, and we're going to sing a little more uh, and think about that. And uh, many of us are going to, or all the staff is going to participate in one way or another in, in sharing this in different dimensions. Uh, my task is just to sort of make a few comments, and they are going to be very brief, but about the, the philosophy of missions, if you will, of Grace Baptist Church. Uh, it flows out of a lot of different things, but mainly it flows out of a, a love for God and a love for uh, who he is and what he's done. You know, I was always amazed when Jesus saw his disciples after the resurrection, and they had seen him several times, and just before the ascension when he met with them uh, on the beach, and Jesus said to Peter, Peter, do you love me? And Peter said, you know I love you, Lord. Then feed my sheep. He said to him a second time, Peter, do you, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know I love you. He said, then tend my lambs. And then a third time, and getting a little irritating, get on Peter's nerves just a little bit, he said, Peter, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know that I love you. He said, then feed my sheep. One thing I found amazing about that statement is, about that little dialogue between Jesus and Peter was not one single time did Jesus say, Peter, do you love the sheep? Didn't ask him that. Didn't matter about that. If you love him, you obey him. If you love him, you have the heart that he has because he places his heart within you and within me and within the body. It's the concept that, that we are a missionary people because God is a missionary God. But I think the main thing that sets us toward missions is found in a verse in Acts, in Acts chapter 3. And you may not think about this as being necessarily a verse that would, would be the basis for a philosophy of missions, but it really is. In the last verse of the third chapter of Acts, Luke says this, And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. In other words, Jesus Christ is the only name that brings salvation. Jesus Christ is the only way to a relationship with God. Now again, I know we live in a politically correct day that says, well, you know, the other religions are all kind of seeking God from a different direction. Uh, we have even people within our Baptist churches are saying, well, you know, I believe that probably... After a person dies, if they're not in Christ, then they'll be given a second chance. And others who even say, have gone so far within our Baptist churches to say, well, you know, God's really going to save everybody anyway. And especially those who have never heard, because he couldn't hold them accountable for what they've never heard. Well, that is not what the scriptures say. And quite honestly, if that were true, if God is going to give a pass into heaven or a second chance to get into heaven to those who've never heard of him, never heard the gospel, then we would be doing a great disservice to send missionaries. Matter of fact, we ought to call all the missionaries home and we ought to say, look, let's save that money. Let's build big buildings for ourselves and not worry about giving money to missions because if, if they never hear, God's going to save them or give, at least give them a chance after they die. Well, if that's the truth, it's, a, it's ludicrous to spend millions and literally billions of dollars on missionaries. But that's not the truth. 
The truth is found in chapter 3, verse 12 of Acts. And there is no salvation, and there is salvation in no one else, for there's no other name under the heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. I remembered hearing Mike Pope talk uh, after he and Todd got back from the, the meeting over in South Carolina about Peru. And, and Mike gets just a little bit excited from time to time. And he, his, his words were, and I wish I could imitate him. I can't, so I won't even try. But his words to me were, Bill, Pastor, this is going to be just like the Apostle Paul. We're going to be going in where the gospel has not been proclaimed. We're going to be going in where they're worshiping pagan gods. We're going to be going in where maybe they'll have a statue to an unknown God. And we'll have the chance to tell them about the living and the true God. It's going to be just like biblical times. And Mike is right in so many different ways. But you see, those people need to hear about Jesus. Those people need to hear about the Savior and the sacrifice. So our, our mission philosophy is based on the fact that we believe that nobody can come to faith, and nobody can come to God, nobody can be saved, nobody can be in heaven apart from Jesus Christ. Now, the fact that God said, Jesus said, in his final words on earth pretty much in two different accounts or two different little occasions there toward the end, you know, all authority has been given unto me in heaven and earth. Now go and make disciples of all men, all nations, everywhere. Uh, that's pretty emphatic. And then in Acts chapter 1, just before his ascension into heaven, he said that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest parts of the earth. When the, when the Holy Spirit fills our hearts, when the Holy Spirit fills our lives, the natural thing is to do missions, to do evangelism. The natural thing when we, are, when we know the Lord Jesus Christ personally and are filled with his spirit is to be obedient. Bill, do you love me? Then feed my sheep. Clint, do you love me? Then feed my sheep. Mike, do you love me? Then feed my sheep. It's a natural thing when we love the Lord to be obedient to him. So as long as Grace Baptist Church stands, may we be a people committed to the uniqueness and the exclusivity of Jesus Christ. He is the only way. That's the basis, and that's our philosophy of missions at Grace Baptist Church. Part of our philosophy is to intentionally take the gospel out uh, to those who need to hear the truth that Christ is the only way uh, to salvation. And one of the areas that we are doing that is right here in Somerset. And that is the idea behind what we have done with our Vacation Bible School uh, this year. Over the past couple of years, what we have done is taken Vacation Bible School and make it a mission focus in which the kids learn about missions. Learn about missions here and abroad. This year, what we have done is we have intentionally made our Vacation Bible School a mission outreach. 
and we went and have done uh, five different sites throughout the throughout Somerset in which we have intentionally taken the gospel to various communities uh, in Somerset. Throughout this week, we have had uh, about 160 people total involved. Uh, we have seen um, probably around 30 kids who are not our own uh, who are involved in uh, the Backyard Bible Clubs that we did this year, which is uh, honestly, I think, a fantastic number that we really uh, ministered to and uh, that they heard the gospel. Uh, we went to five different sites. We went to um, Paul and Dorothy Francis's house, the Carrington's house. Uh, we went to a site in Hopeway, uh, Colonial Village, and then we went to uh, the Dalton's house, uh, all those five. And all our majority of our kids were there, and then along with a lot of others in the community. Uh, and it turned out to be just a fantastic outreach. Uh, and one of the principles that we're, that we're got, being guided by in, in our uh, evangelism and our missions thinking is invest and invite. We're investing in the lives of people, building relationships with with people for the purpose of sharing the gospel with them. And that's what we've been doing with our, our Backyard Bible Clubs this year. And I've heard a lot of people even say, let's do this again next year. Let's go to these communities again and continue investing in the lives of the people who live there, that we can build relationships with them, and that we can share the gospel with them. And so that's kind of our philosophy in doing this, is investing in the lives of the people and the lives of these kids, that the gospel will go out to them. And I think we saw just a great... A great week of Backyard Bible Clubs this year. Uh, we're going to show just a clip of this uh, real quick. You can see just some of the, the fun and the learning that we did this week.
I'm going to take just a, a moment or two to talk to you about uh, missions in the state of Kentucky. You know, you heard Scott talk about invest and invite, and you see that on everything or, or many things that we have here at the church. Tonight is a perfect example of an invest and invite opportunity. Uh, and you've heard all the staff say that invest and invite is not a program. For invest and invite to be successful, it must be a way of life. And that is not only here, but it's throughout our state and throughout, our, throughout the world, as you'll see in just a minute. And that's, that's a lot of what our philosophy is. And when we're looking at some place uh, in Kentucky, we want that to be a place to where we can invest in and invite. Uh, many of you went last summer. We had uh, over 75 people go to Wooten First Baptist to help out there. And hopefully, uh, we'll be able to go soon. We're actually uh, talking to Jeff and uh, Debbie about some opportunities, possibly in the fall. Uh, but that's another an area we want to go back. So as we look at the spring, uh, we wanted to invest in that area. Uh, many of you, we had over 30 people go uh, with us spring break to uh, Big Creek Missions, which they minister in Leslie Clay and Perry County. Uh, so it's only about an hour and a half from here, but it's an area that many of you know is very, uh, very poor. Uh, drugs are, are, are a huge problem there. Many of the kids uh, don't get very good meals. So we wanted to find a place that we could invest in. And we found Big Creek Missions. Uh, Big Creek began uh, in 2002. Just uh, about a year ago, they purchased a local elementary school that was no longer being used. Uh, that's what we did. We went there uh, to help them uh, get that facility up and running. Uh, we built bunk beds, did a lot of painting, uh, just a lot of things. This last time, we were pretty much investing there in their facility. Currently, or they, they began May 31st through August 2nd, they will have over 200 people there coming from different parts of the country, uh, Georgia, all over. I think they even have some coming from uh, California to minister in this area. Uh, the elementary school is a base. Then they will send them out uh, into the three counties. They'll work with all the churches, with the different communities. Uh, so it's, it's very important that, that we are there. Uh, Kevin, the missionary, I've been trying to email back and forth with him, but uh, obviously he's very busy right now. Uh, but we have talked about some things, uh, possibly fall break, uh, going back either to Wooten First Baptist, uh, to Big Creek, or having a combination of both. Uh, Kevin and I have talked. Uh, a lot of you know that uh, upward basketball, upward soccer, I love. They have a gym there at the elementary school. They also have a huge facility for soccer, uh, football. And we have actually talked about possibly coming back and using that, uh, bringing our people to do camps there with them or possibly even an upward league, maybe taking a, a Saturday for an eight-week period and, in, and intentionally bringing our people to coach and to evangelize there. Uh, archery is another thing that we've talked about. Uh, but that, you know, that's the area you'll you see us wanting to invest in. Uh, and like you'll see in just a minute, it's going to take a long time, uh, but Eastern Kentucky uh, really, really needs us to be there. 
Uh, on the back, you'll see there's some brochures that we've picked up just on uh, Appalachian culture. Uh, you can take those, but we're going to take just a second and show you some of the things we've done already. Well, the bad news for you is that we prepared tonight kind of proportionally, uh, not in, in importance of missions, but distance. And so I get the longest time for you. <laughs> so, yeah. 
Um, I wanted to to ask you a question. I, I was reading a book recently on missions, and um, the the author was was talking about the story of the Good Samaritan. And uh, actually, I think this is my memory is failing here. This is from the Truth Project last session, I think, uh, where he was talking about the the man in need and everyone who went by. And uh, I guess it, just a simple question. You know, if you walk by and there, you see someone in need on the side of the road or whatever it is, you know, picture, picture that person in need. What do you do? What do you do? Do you help them? I mean, if they are absolutely helpless, if you see my son Braden in the middle of the road helpless, what are you going to do? I, I would hope you would help him. The truth of the matter is that spiritually... There are people in need everywhere. You, you look at the kids up there, the, the picture of some of our children with children from the community. You look at the pictures of the children in eastern Kentucky. All those things. And you see that there's people in need everywhere. Many of you went through the Truth Project. And, and you know the, uh, the third session on man, anthropology, where we talk about the condition of man. It's a pretty in-your-face session where you look at the fact that man is utterly helpless. Helpless. We're, we're sinful, in need of a Savior. And the key question that we asked our group and the college group is this. Is, is what do your efforts in evangelism tell you about your understanding of the condition of man? When, when I think about my attitude towards missions, when I think about my attitude towards sharing the gospel, I'm not talking about going to Peru. I'm talking about sharing the gospel. Maybe at work, maybe with your, over the fence in your neighborhood, investing, inviting, the VBS this week. When you think about your attitude towards that, what does that tell you about your understanding of the state of man, their condition? I mean, let's look at the mirror in a minute. Or look, let's look in the mirror for a minute. What does it tell us? Listen to what Scripture tells us. Look at Romans 3, 10 through 11. <laughs> they flipped my projector off out there. I'm going to kind of move over here and read it for you. As it is written, there is none righteous, not even one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks for God. That's not their fault. I didn't ask them to leave it on. So what does that tell us about the condition of man? Unrighteous. What about John 8, 34? What does that tell us about the condition of man? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is the slave to sin. We're enslaved. People are enslaved to sin. Look at Ephesians 2, 1. One we don't want to think about, right? And you are dead in your trespasses, trespasses and sins. Outside of Christ, dead in sin. Look at Ephesians 2, 3. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. Children of wrath. What does Romans 2.5 say about God's wrath? Because of your stubbornness and unrepentant heart, you're storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. Objects of wrath, storing up God's wrath. Outside of Christ. 
when we, we sing the choir anthem and pray that prayer this morning that the choir offered up for us, that we would stand and never lose the wonder of the cross. The wonder, the amazing grace that we know that Christ is our propitiation. He stepped in and absorbed the wrath. You understand there's people in Somerset, Kentucky. There's people in Wooten, Kentucky. There's people in Peru who are storing up the wrath of God against themselves because they're outside of Christ. They're outside of Christ. There's nothing they can do. There's nothing they can do. When I, when I see the pictures of those kids, when I see the pictures of those men and women, and they look in your eyes, and you see the spark on their eye, and you see that, you see the helpless state they're in, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? The book I'm reading said this. He, he said, we're called to make true disciples. And he said, you know how you know a true disciple from a false disciple? He said, a true disciple doesn't need to be prodded to do evangelism. The true disciple of Christ, that's just who they are. They're on mission. They take the gospel. They share their faith. They share Christ. They share the hope of grace that we have. I want to share you tonight the passage that God has really burdened me with and comforted me with when we think about missions, when we think about the state of man. Listen to this. This is Luke 4, verse 16 through 19. And he, referring to Jesus, he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as was his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read. And the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, and he opened the book and found the place where it was written. Now listen to how Jesus, this is Jesus' fulfillment of Isaiah 61, 1 through 2. Listen to this. Jesus says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to set free those who are oppressed to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. The state of man is helpless, sinful. They stand an object of God's wrath. But praise the Lord that Christ came to set the captives free. What is the message we have? That I can set you free? No. That Grace Baptist can do something so good for you to set you free? No. The message we have is that we know the God that came to set the captives free. And there's people in our town, there's people in eastern Kentucky, there's people that come in these doors every week. There's people in Peru that are captive. They're oppressed. They're blind. And we have the privilege and the calling to take the gospel to them. That is incredible. That is awesome. That makes me stand in awe of God that a God who is certainly able to send the good news in any way he sees fit, for some reason in his plan saw fit to send you and I 
to take the gospel. That's amazing. It's humbling. It's a bit scary at times. But it's a blessing. I want to share with you in a minute a lot about what's on the horizon for our church with Peru. Uh, we've got a, a team of people in the church, some adults and some students who have been doing some research for us. And uh, I want to show you a video clip, or not a video clip, a slideshow that our, uh, one of our middle school classes put together um, as they were helping re research, and then we'll talk about the strategy for taking the gospel to Peru. treasure you found I know I may not look 
That slideshow leaves the vast majority of you in here with no excuse for not being involved in missions. Seventh grade girls did that. How are we going to be involved? <laughs> Tons of ways. Um, I, I want to know. I want you to know this. From here on out, I guess you could do this almost any time, perhaps, on what we do. But um, from here on out, if you have a question, just raise your hand. Um, because we're going to cover a lot of information. Hopefully you got one of these. Uh, this is a booklet on the REAP strategy. And if you did not get one, they are intended to be one per family. So if, um, if there's a bunch of you that got a bunch right beside each other, I don't know. If you did not get one, if there's not one you can look at as we do this, will you raise your hand? Everybody pretty much? Okay. There's a few back here. Um, all right. If you have any questions we go through this, raise your hand. Let me know. And I'm, I hope to answer most of your questions with it. Um, this is an exciting time. I, I'll be honest with you, I, I'm a little overwhelmed um, because of what's before us, um, but in a good way, not in a bad way. Um, I'm excited to see what God's going to do in, in the REAP strategy. So um, I wanted to, to kind of give you an idea. We talked briefly at a congregational meeting, uh, but tonight we want to give you a lot better understanding of what we're involved in and, and what it's going to take to do what God's called our church to do. Uh, REAP is a strategy that IMB, the International Mission Board in South America, they're actually using this strategy as a model for a lot of other um, IMB missionaries and strategies throughout the world. It's just not called REAP, uh, but it got started in Peru uh, is where it began. Um, basically, it is a strategy where churches stateside adopt unreached people groups and strategically work alongside a missionary to plant a church in that area. Those people groups are areas where um, 
where a missionary cannot work, whether it's due to just the, the sheer number of people uh, compared to the small number of missionaries or whether it's because of the, the challenges uh, geographically or, or whatever it may be. But this, there's people groups in all over the world, but specifically for us in Peru, who the missionaries cannot work with and, and take the gospel to. Uh, so it's unreached. Um, the R stands for research and recruit. You, you can think of this... REAP standing, uh, these, uh, this acronym as far as the IMB missionaries coming down to us. We're a, strat- a strategy coordinating church. Um, reach, research and recruit is the R. The, the missionaries research the people as much as they can and, and get kind of a blurb about it. You've seen that blurb. You, uh, we've kind of talked to you about that. You saw it up there. A lot of that is kind of from the blurb that the missionary gives. Um, they know a little bit about them. They know some generalities, but they don't know the details, the specifics. They don't know the people. They don't work in there. Uh, so they research and they recruit churches like ourselves to do the work with them, uh, to go and take the gospel to them. Uh, they then equip us uh, to do what we need to do. They get us rolling. Uh, Mike Pope and I already went to some training and have begin, begun some of that being equipping, uh, but they equip us to, to help teach them evangelism, discipleship, leadership training, um, and then we, in turn, equip the local people there, the Ambo Pasco, uh, that we'll be working with. They assist us. The IMB missionaries will assist us uh, in whatever we need, logistical needs, getting translators, uh, helping things there. If we need supplies, tents, sleeping bags, that type of thing, if we have to do that. Pastor Haynes is praying that we don't because he's going with me in August. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, if we need that, though, they've got stuff there, and they assist us in getting the necessary materials and things that we'll need. Transportation, they organize uh, if we need rental trucks and those type things there. Um, and then prayer. Uh, the IMB missionaries commit to pray for our church and for our people um, as we do this strategy. Uh, the same thing goes for us. Us as a church, we research and recruit. We're researching the people constantly. We're recruiting. I'll be recruiting you constantly uh, to go and help us, whether that's help you help us here. Uh, like the seventh grade girls group did, putting a slideshow together. Um, some of our people are doing research right now stateside. Uh, Bill and I and the medical team later will be doing research in Peru among the people. Um, so uh, whatever that may be, research and recruiting, we'll equip the church there, the believers there, uh, to be a local church. We'll assist them. We'll pray for them. Um, the missionaries that will help us are Jeff and Lisa Holman. Their contact information is there. If you just want to drop them a note and say, hey, we appreciate you helping us get involved and reap and get started, and we're praying for you. I would encourage you to pray for Jeff and Lisa um, as well as Ambo Pasco. Um, why reap? Uh, I think there's two main answers, a lot of answers, but two primary answers. One is that, that you heard our philosophy of missions. We're committed to taking the gospel to the streets of Somerset and to the ends of the earth. And so that's what we're doing. Uh, we're called to take the gospel literally to the nations, and that's what we're doing. Um, that's the first answer. The second one is that reap is very biblical. If, if you go through the book of Acts and read about Paul and his strategy and the things that he did, then you'll see how biblical it is for us to go and to invest in people long-term to work with them, build relationships, and to get a local church started, and then step away once that local church is a functioning, great commission, biblical church. Okay, we'll step away, and we still encourage it. That's how the letters to a, a lot of the New Testament was started. Is Paul writing after he had done work there. You look at the Philippian church, and Paul writes back to them. Is he still there among them working? No. He had got them started. He had invested in them and, and got them rolling, so to speak, and then stepped away and wrote letters to them to encourage them. And that's kind of a, a, a small example of what we'll be doing. 
Um, if you flip the page there, the pros of being involved in re- uh, long-term relationships with people we evangelize, following the New Testament example, um, it allows a lot more people to be involved. Um, you're you're going to be blown away in the days to come, the, the weeks to come, the years to come, uh, when you see how many opportunities you're going to have to be involved in this in ways that you never thought possible. You never thought possible. Um, it's going to it's going to use your talents that you would say, man, I, God can't use that. Oh, yeah, he can. He can. Uh, one of the a neat story that you hear is uh, teams of, of ladies that went down and sewed with some of the ladies. If you, How many of you sew? And, and go down there and sew with them and take a sewing machine and leave it there. And it established a business there in their community and helped them to be able to sew and, and, and help their community and allow an open door for the gospel. So what is our role? Our role there, there's kind of there's a, a philosophical shift in this now. Uh, in the years past, the last seven, eight, well, ten, I don't know, Mike, when did y'all go? Ninety-three, the first time was the first time you went. Um, there's people in our congregation that've been going on short-term trips since '93. Um, the, there's a little bit of philosophical shift in that. Typically, what we would do is is when we would go, say, to Thailand. I'll pick on Tom. Tom Ashburn's here. I don't know if you know Tom. I'll point him out over there. Um, but uh, Tom Wave, all right. Uh, Tom was a missionary in Thailand for a while and goes on our medical teams. Um, he lives in Barberville. Um, but we, when we went to Thailand, we went to help Tom out. When we left, Tom said, thanks for helping. See you later. I'm going to continue the work. Okay, that's what we've done since 93, short-term mission trips to go and help missionaries out in whatever God was doing and wherever they said, this is what you need to do. This is where I need you to help me out. Okay, great. Just plug us in. Here's the change. The change is that the Ambo Pasco Quechua of Peru do not have a missionary that we can come in and they go, hey, here's exactly what they need. Here's what you need to do. Here's exactly what this trip's going to look like. Do it. And then we leave and they go, thanks for helping us. They don't have that. There's a missionary station in Lima that says, here's a people group that needs the gospel. You're the strategy coordinating church. You're the missionary, so to speak, to that people. And so now we go, the missionary helps us in any way they can. And when we leave, we say, thanks for helping us out. (laughs) All right? So there's kind of a philosophical change there. That's a a huge task, especially when we're six hours away, ten hours away by plane. All right? So, So we go down and we are the missionaries. We develop the strategy. That's what we're working on right now. We're working on the strategy of how are we going to take the gospel to these people. Uh, when Bill and I go, when the medical team goes, we'll start laying out the strategy of what it'll look like. How do we take the gospel to them? The missionaries help us until we say, you know what, Jeff, we don't need you to go with us. They still help us anytime we need, but they're, you know, in all the partnerships, Mike and I had the chance to talk to some people that had been in a partnership for, what, eight, I think eight or nine years, and then one that had been in three years. And there's points in those partnerships where they, they just go. <laughs> they know the people better than the missionaries do because they send people that often. Um, so they, the missionary helps as much as they can. So we're committing to be a strategy-coordinating church. Uh, we'll take the gospel to them basically at, at probably at minimum, unless God just does a, a miraculous work. Uh, we will be committing to probably a minimum of four years in this, and we'll be going four or more times a year uh, to these people uh, to take the gospel to them and to, to teach them about Christ. Um, as I've kind of referred to, and you saw on the slideshow, we'll be working with the Quechua Ambo Pasco of Peru. Um, you can see there, and you saw on the slideshow, I won't read you all that about them. Uh, they are a mountainous people. There's about 100,000 of them. Um, they do not have a missionary working on them. They don't uh, 
have an evangelical presence there that we know of. And so we'll be going to research and to take, take the gospel to them. It's high altitude. Uh, it's probably a minimum, it's minimum 10,000 feet in the villages we'll be working in. Uh, so that is a consideration for you um, as you consider as far as going um, health-wise. Uh, you have to be in good shape. Uh, it's something that you, you have to consider and pray about. Does that bar you from going? No. It just means you know, get on the stick, you know, and I uh, go, you know, work out. Come to the gym with me sometimes. I'm not in great shape, but I go to the gym. I try. Um, but, but it is a challenge. That's something you have to consider. Um, and, again, the only work that's to be done is not just there. We've got a lot to do here as well. Um, the people are isolated. They tend to be more guarded there. Uh, the people in the jungle, the people in Lima are very open. The people in the mountains are more guarded. We've experienced that with the, the trips we've taken uh, into the mountains of Peru. Uh, just because they're more isolated. They're not quite as, as open. They're friendly, but it's a different kind of friendly. They're definitely guarded. You can just tell. Uh, they live in adobe block houses, roofs. Most of them are, are farmers. Um, you can see the crops and the, the uh, livestock they raise there. There's a great need for health care and education in the area. Educators. How many educators do we have in here? They could go in and help them with their education system. How many health care professionals do we have in here? You know, there, there's just tons of ways that we'll be able to help them out. Um, what are we currently doing? Here's what right now we're doing. Some of you know this, some of you don't. Uh, Mike Pope and I went on the 8th and 9th of May to an IMB training. It was a two-day training and uh, met with the REAP strategists, the missionaries and stuff, and, and learned a lot from them. Uh, we came back ready to jump on a plane to Peru. It was kind of fun. Um, the research team, as I mentioned, has been doing research for about three weeks. Um, several adults and, are, are leading that up for us, and, and they'll be doing a lot between now and August. You see August 15th to the 21st. Uh, right now, uh, Pastor Haynes and I will be going down uh, for pure research. We'll spend some time in Lima and then go in, in the people and scout it out for the medical team. Uh, find places we'll take video and pictures, so the medical team will sit down with them and say, here's what you can expect. Um, and they'll know what they're coming into. Uh, we'll pick out places that might, you know, are the greatest need or the greatest places for the clinic and, and hopefully start looking for the man of peace. I'll explain that to you in a minute. Um, September 18th through the 26th, the medical team is going. And uh, their primarily, primary goal is research and medical. Instead of medical and evangelism, it's medical and research. And so their primary goal is learning the people, asking their, they're going to just constantly ask questions. What about this? What about this? learning the people so they can come back and say, here's everything we know about the people. Here's influential people in the community. Here are their needs. And we can continue to form our strategy to take the gospel to them. Um, we're hoping to maybe send one more team this year, possibly in December, um, simply because the rainy season is January to May. So if we don't get somebody down there before December, then we'll have no contact with this people group from September until almost May. And so it's, it's really important. A lot of college students have been asking me about that, and they're excited uh, to maybe be involved in that in sometime in, in winter break. Um, after that, we'll lay out the plan, and we'll be continuing to work on that. Here's a real quick overview of the strategy. I know we got ice cream waiting, so you guys are looking at me with the evil eye. Um, here, here's what's going to happen, what you can expect over the next four or more years, however long it takes to, to get a, a church planted there. The, the first thing, we've already talked about this, is the vision trip. And the second thing is research. Um, the first trips are going to be strictly devoted to research. And this is going to be challenging for a lot of us who have gone on mission trips like this before to really kind of pull back the reins and do research good. 
Um, Tom's shaking his head. I think he's been there where it's time you have to know the people before you take the gospel to them. Otherwise, you have people like a local shaman or a, a local uh, Roman Catholic priest that'll come in as soon as you leave and undermine everything you did. Absolutely. Uh, the missionaries have already told us you can expect that. You can expect to be opposed by the local shaman. Every Quechua village has a shaman. And so we can just expect that. And so we've got to learn the people and, and seek to understand them and research them before we can uh, devote trips to evangelism. Primary areas of research are worldview and demographics. If you love doing research, we can use you between now and August and even beyond that, learning more about the people. Uh, the third thing, and, and really these first three are all together, but it's prayer. Um, this has to be bathed in prayer. If we, our investment of prayer is going to make the difference between a good strategy and a godly strategy. We're pretty smart, but you know what? There's a lot we don't know. There's a lot of things that we simply will not understand that we have to have God's leadership and leadership of the Holy Spirit in. And, and if you have tuned me out, come back in real quick. We need someone to lead up a prayer ministry for this. Praise the Lord that Mary Parker stepped up for our church, but we need someone to say, you know, I'm going to commit to leading the prayer ministry for the REAP strategy. There's no age requirement. You're not too young for that, and you're not too old for it. Don't assume that someone else is going to do it. If you feel like, God, you know, I don't know how I can be involved, but, man, I can, I can help organize prayer for this strategy. We need that bad. We need it desperately. Um, there, there's two things I need you to start praying for, and you, you see on the back there a list of prayers. I really, really need you to start praying specifically. Um, is that you would pray for the man of peace and the gatekeeper of that community. The man of peace is, is a man who Christ refers to in Luke 10, verse 1 through 12, uh, where he sends the disciples into communities, sends them out, and he says to look for a man of peace who will welcome you in. So the man of peace is someone in the community who welcomes us in and will basically be a believer. They don't necessarily have to be a believer to begin with, but they would come to Christ, and as a man of peace, they would be a believer. Uh, they would welcome us in, that they would be a place where you start maybe the beginnings of a church, uh, but they would welcome us in. The gatekeeper is a person of influence. This person doesn't have to be a believer, but it's somebody who will get you in the community like that, and they'll get you out like that, maybe quicker. Um, and, and so it could be a man or a woman, just someone of power and influence that can get you in and out really quick. And out by out, I don't mean like, whoo, we need to get out of here quick. It's you ain't coming back out. And so we need to pray for these two people, that, that Bill and I, the research team, the medical team, would have wisdom. Uh, the missionary said, just pray for that, pray for that. And so many times God just somehow organizes that and orchestrates that to where somebody looks up and goes, I've been praying for people to come. I've been praying for that. You know, maybe a single believer in there had heard the gospel some way, and they're praying and praying. And then perhaps Bill and I walk up for some reason to their house, the leadership of the Holy Spirit. So we need you to pray for those two people. Now, the man of peace, you see that there is a critical step, evangelism. Just now to evangelism. And that's going to be the challenge, that we have to do evangelism very strategically, purposefully, in the strategy to where it's not undermined when we leave. We're not there all the time. Okay, so we've got to do that purposefully. It'll be done in a, numerous ways. You can read any way you can imagine as far as a platform for evangelism. That's how we'll do it. Any way we can to take the gospel and truth there. Then after that, discipleship, leadership training, church. Um, it, discipleship and leadership training, those flow in with evangelism. Evangelism and discipleship are the same thing. 
Um, we're making disciples. We don't evangelize and go, okay, I hope we can get them enrolled in a discipleship class down there. That's not what we're doing. Uh, we're making disciples. Um, finally, eighth and ninth, churches planting churches. That ultimately this church is a great commission church that's planting more churches. When do we exit? You see the criteria for when we exit. The end goal is to step away, and there's a, a church there among the Ambo Pasco that wasn't there before by the work of God. And praise the Lord if he uses us to do it. You know? Um, the types of ministries, sky's the limit. The sky's the limit. Whatever gift you have, we'll be able to use in some way. I can guarantee you. The needs, we'll look at the needs of the people, and then you look at our giftedness and say, here's a way we can meet that need in order to share the gospel with them. Whether that's building vintage stoves, so that when they start a fire to cook every night, when they cook, their house fills with smoke. And so you got kids right now, and adults right now, in Ambo of, this, of these people, that are cooking their dinner in a smoke-filled house and have no idea that that's not the greatest thing for their health. That's just how they live. And so a ministry we can have is go and teach them how to vent their stoves. Um, education, livestock, farmers in here. <laughs> Man, you could be an incredible resource. Incredible resource. Testing the water. Just helping in so many different ways that we'll be able to share the gospel and, and that you'll be able to be used. On the back is a list of prayers, uh, prayer requests. Um, I won't read all those to you. But, but I want to encourage you this, two things primarily. Please, please, please make this a daily matter of prayer for you. I hope you already pray for the missionaries that we support and pray for who you're investing in and investing by it. I hope every day you're praying for someone in your, in your life that you're investing in for the sake of the gospel. Add this. Add, add the Ambo Pasco people and lift them up daily. Lift up Jeff and Lisa as they help us. Lift up our involvement, our strategy. And the second thing is lift up or ask God, what is my role? It's going to take us all. I, I can't go down there every trip. Nobody in here can go down there every trip. We're not saying there's going to be one team that's going down four times a year. But it's going to allow a bunch of us to go a lot on smaller teams. So pray, what is your involvement? Maybe your involvement is supporting someone who says, I have the time and the ability and the whatever to go. I don't have the resources. Maybe your thing is to say, hey, if there's somebody that wants to go, i got the resources. I just can't go myself. Maybe your thing is research. Maybe your thing is doing something stateside to help us get ready to go. Maybe it is the time. Maybe you've never gone, but there's no good reason you hadn't other than I just hadn't. Maybe it's time for you to go. So pray about your involvement. Um, just a reminder again, we need someone to head up the prayer ministry. And I would love for somebody to talk to me or a group of somebody to come talk to me tonight and say, hey, I don't really know exactly how to do that. I had never done it before, but I want to do it. Guys lead me to do that. Um, and finally... I just want to close in prayer with the encouragement and the calling of Luke 10:2, where Christ says, pray for workers. The harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. Let's pray with that in mind. Father God, we come to you tonight, and we know that there are people all around the world that are in need of you. They need the gospel. It's not because they're just unfortunate it's not because they don't have as much money as we do or they're not that healthy 
God, it's because they are sinners in need of salvation. God, the harvest is plentiful. You've told us that. There's so much need. But God, you say the workers are few. God, make us workers. God, I pray for workers in this congregation, true disciples that say, I, I'm just about evangelism and missions because that's who I am as a believer. I'm going to take the gospel wherever my Lord leads me. And God, I pray that you would raise up workers to take the gospel to Somerset, to Eastern Kentucky, and to Peru for your glory. It's in Christ's name. Amen.